Welcome. To Arcade Audio. friends welcome to another episode of shared history nothing runs like history oh and sometimes we try to run from history you know what ain't that the truth nat it it sure is i feel like we should state for the record we are recording this well in advance of the election not well in advance like everyone should already be registered to vote by now and have like a plan right to vote. yes Oh God, this will come out. But this after will come the out. The, this will be our first episode out after the election. So sorry if what was what was your tagline? Every nothing like, runs, nothing like, runs history. like history. Sorry if that hurt or something. I don't. I just. I also just feel like we should say. I want to say that because this yeah. is going to be the episode that comes out. You're listening to naive and innocent Natalie and Cass. We have no clue what's going to happen. I mean, as naive and innocent as Natalie and Cass get. <laughs> That's fair. That's I fair. Mean, well, I'm pretty simple. I wouldn't simple. say I'm naive, but I'm pretty simple. Hey, Nat. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? I got I got a little story I'd like to tell you about. Can I do that? Can I share some history with oh, you now? Sure. I think that this will have held the record of the shortest dumb bits we talked about at the beginning. So I was just thinking about that. I don't, I don't want to mess it up now. No, usually there's like 10, 15 minutes of just catching up. Yeah. We just did that checking before. in. We did that before we hit record this time. <laughs> I feel like I haven't started an episode in a while, so I forget how to just dive in. Well, just in our recording schedule, we've had a lot of guests recently. So. We have, which has been great. And there we've had so many great guests. Do you see how now I'm vamping? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> now you're like, what was my, what was my topic? It's did true. I, we haven't. Did I research something? Oh, shit. I didn't do my homework. Fuck. You can copy off of mine. Okay. Go, Natalie. Go into the Google Drive and look up the file that's called Natalie's Notes. And then- Wait, start- are all your stories in there? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, you do it, and then I'll just try to do it slightly different than how you do it. I'll change like a couple It'll of be words. be the same story. <laughs> but told by from two different perspectives. It'll be altered history. Yeah. Mm, something like that. It'll be, it'll be trying to get away with high school plagiarism history. <laughs> high schoolers, if you're listening to this for um, information, um, don't <laughs> cite us. Maybe reference us, but don't cite us. The idea of that uh, made me giggle. Actually, um, I live I live to be a citation. Oh, that would be the best thing ever. Just don't cite us on how to pronounce names. And by us, I mean me. Don't cite me because I'm going to come out with a new podcast called Mispronounce History. So it's funny that you say that because that was actually a big part of my topic today. And I found, get ready for our two favorite words. Are you ready, Natalie? <gasps> A primary source. Yes. Yes. So I'll just jump into it. I'm going to tell you about the Popol Vuh. Have you heard of the Popol Vuh? Sounds like a type of bug. It does, kind of. Vuh is spelled V-U-H, but it's pronounced like V-O-O. So I've written it both ways in my notes, and I'm going to try to stick with the correct way. Oh, see, that's smart. I read it phonetically. As opposed to writing it the way that it's spelled, as if somebody's going to spell check my notes. (laughs) 
So this is uh, an ancient Mayan text recounting the Quiche people's creation story, foundational mythology, and their early history. I love everything that just came out of your mouth. Also, Cass, you love a literature story. I know! Well, and when I did my South America topic where I talked about the origination, the founding of the modern the South America. etymology. There it is. You did it, Nat. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about bugs, even the, though you started The etymomeology. There it is. There it is. We found it. I said a lot in the South America episode, though, that I really wanted to find something about South American history that didn't have to do with colonizers and mm-hmm. didn't have to do with Europeans and the country's relationship to mm-hmm. invaders. Um, well, early Mayan history is where it's at for that. And I found it and it's literature. Yes, 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 yes. So the Quiche people, they're an indigenous people from the Yucatan Peninsula, primarily uh, mid the Midwestern Guatemalan highlands. So there can I also- only be one Guatemalan highlander. And I also get to tell a story about Midwesterners. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My people. That just that just tickled me and it made me happy. I capitalized Midwestern in my notes, even though technically it is supposed to be capitalized. But also because it's a near and dear place to my heart. It's not about that, Natalie. It's not about that. No, but it's important to me for me to know what you choose to capitalize on a regular basis. I feel it like is in interesting. Our, I feel like in our texts, we probably capitalize things that normal people wouldn't. And like intentionally. Yes. Sometimes yes. I like, do it because- a proper noun to me. <laughs> for me. Absolutely. For me, this is a very important title. Some, a lot of times when I'm texting anyone, like random words will be capitalized because I realized the way I worded something made no sense. So I take something from the end of the sentence and put it at the beginning. That all copy and paste, but then the capital letter still hangs Even out there. Even if you do, like, I've noticed when I am voice to texting, which is a thing that I do too often and then don't look at the text before I sent it mm. because I'm like, I'm an actor. I enunciate. I have a podcast. I say my words, right? And then I look at it and it's like, what the fuck did my phone think that I said? Even in that, it capitalizes weird shit. So maybe yeah. I maybe I pronounce things as if they're proper nouns. It, it's getting your inflection. Also, yeah. I know you were saying talk to texted, talk Ooh. to text, but you said talk to texted and it Voice made me laugh. To text. Oh, to text. But it was like two texts and it just sounded like to text. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. These are neither here nor there. But they are everywhere. Here and there are clearly capitalized. (laughs) Anyway, the Popol Vuh. It's been called inaccurately by some the Mayan Bible. It's one of their most important foundational texts, but it's leave not it a Bible. To a, leave it to a historian to slap some Christianity shit on it. <laughs> exactly. It's not the word of God. It's not a sacred text. It is their history, their creation story, their mythology. It's referred to the Quiche people as an ilbal, um, an instrument of sight which I love. Like their history is, is oh, how you That's see. how you, yeah. Because yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty, BB. I think that's, you know, what, what it directly translates to. Hindsight's in my In Quiche's. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that's not true because, oh my God, my notes are just working perfectly today. Popol Vuh translates to the council book, the book of the people, or quite literally the book of the mat. 
because of the woven mats people would sit on to hear the work recited at the council house. It's an oral tradition. This, as most creation stories passed down for centuries orally, there actually is like an original Mayan text, or at least at one point was, written by the Mayan people. And in the 1500s, there was like a Mexican Inquisition in the Yucatan by Bishop Diego de Landa. He was obsessed with idolatry. And so any sort of image, figure, book, whatever, he was like, mm. we, gonna, we gonna burn it. Stop burning things, everybody. Yeah, some accounts say 27, some say over 40 books, written works, over 5,000 cult images, any sort of pottery, painting, statue, whatever. One of them that survived was a Popovu. There's so few actual like original Mayan texts. And this was in 1562. He was also a dick. He like was torturing people because they weren't Christian. And apparently that was a big no-no, which we know the Spanish loved to Inquisition. But I guess the Mexican- Yeah, they had a whole one named after them. (laughs) Exactly. I guess uh, the Mexican people were not super into it. And they're like, hey, Diego, quit being a dick. Can you chill? Also, can you quit lighting up our art and literature? Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. It's actually really cool because around the 1500s, there existed a text and it may have been written down before that. A lot of times with cultures that have dissipated or that are dwindling or something, there's not a lot of text written because dicks like Diego are like, we're going to burn all your shit. We're going to eradicate your culture and your history. It's believed that around the 1500s, there was an actual written text by the Mayan people that was kept hidden, like all secretive. And in the beginning of the text of the actual story itself, there's like vague allusions to like the book that is kept with the one that is secret and whatnot. So it's very like Indiana Jonesy. In seventeen in the 1700s, 1701, a Dominican priest, Father Francisco Jimenez, created a manuscript of the Popol Vuh. He was a priest in the Guatemalan Highlands. He learned to speak Quiche. He was super tight with the people. They loved him. He loved them. And he was like, look, this was already almost taken from you once. <laughs> exactly. I'm going I'm to I'm make another copy. Well, so the, I mean, obviously the story's been told or whatever. I think they kind of had to keep it secret. You know, they're yeah. like, let's not talk about this story. But there was, they believe his source was the oral tradition from the people, but there was actually a phonetic manuscript. So it wasn't actually written in Quiche, but it was written phonetically, much how some of my notes are written today, (laughs) which means that it was pulled from an actual text, which means, and they believe that it was at least from the 1500s. So it's cool to see how far back this written text might go. Jimenez wrote, in the actual, he took the phonetic manuscript or telling and he wrote it in the Quiche language and there's columns. So on one side, it's Quiche and the other side, it's Spanish. So he actually translated it. His is like the definitive, what people study from, this was basically considered the original text at this point, because it's the only one that people mm-hmm. can find. He wrote the quote unquote original text, at least the oldest one that we know of that we can find. Mm-hmm. The work itself, however, mentions an original book 
and ancient writing, which suggests the author of the Popol Vuh was creating, was working from some earlier written source. The author also states that this earlier work is in the possession of one who has a hidden identity, indicating that the religious works of the Maya needed to be hidden from the Christians who would destroy them, as Delanda did. I love this so much. I know. It's so, it's so, it's so Indiana Jones. It's so Da Vinci Code. It's also so fool us once, whatever the phrase. Fool us once, burn our book. Fool us twice. We hide in that shit. Yeah, we ha- we're we're creating a whole new identity <laughs> for someone. We're putting someone into witness protection program to guard this text with their life because you done messed up. Well, and so this text is also so interesting because there's, it's their creation story, which is similar to a lot of creation stories. Mm-hmm. There's the kind of mythology, their, you know, their people's stories. And then there is actually like genealogy and That's so um, cool. like actual like history that we can account for and whatnot. And the reason they think that there was a copy in the 1500s is based on references in the book, the things that going on in the 1500s. So like it was written up until, I don't know, it confused me, but it's a big fucking deal. There's like a hidden manuscript somewhere. And I love that. Uh, I want to go through the actual story of it because, yeah, cool. There's a text and some, you know, Spanish priest wrote it down. That's not cool. We study so much mythology, but it's always like Greek mythology, Roman mythology. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people know about Mayan mythology or Mayan history, maybe love- bits and pieces. I love a good mythos. I'm I am here for this. I took a class in college that I think I thought was going to be heavily Greek and Roman mythology, and it wound up actually being very focused on Native American mythos. Mm-hmm. And especially, we spent a lot of time talking about the Lakota tribe. And yeah. I was like, this is not what I expected when I enrolled in this course based on the course description, but I am not disappointed. Well, so it's interesting because with Mayan codices, Mayan mythology, it says a lot of Native American and anything on North American, South American continent kind of is pulled from this. A lot, there's a lot of similarities between tribes throughout South America, uh, Central America, North America, because it's fucking old. These are like the, the OG people. So it's interesting how many parallels and how much of it comes from the Mayan story. Mm -hmm. And also I love mythologies because it tells you what people put placed importance on, whether it be, yeah, like agriculture, whether it be specific cultural things, you know, I don't fucking know. Hey Cass. Yes, Nat? Would you say you wear your love of Iowa on your sleeve? You know what? I, I would actually. Is it because you regularly shop at Raygun? Oh, you mean the greatest store in the universe? The most important clothing store the earth has ever seen since the early Mesozoic era? The one that started in Iowa and now has stores throughout the Midwest? Mm-hmm. That's the one. Yeah, I do own a lot of Raygun products, specifically ones that brag about Iowa. So yeah, I guess I literally wear my love of Iowa on my sleeve. Cool. Just checking. Did you know that this podcast is sponsored by Raygun and that Raygun has stores in Des Moines, Chicago, Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, Kansas City, Omaha, or you can shop online at raygunsite.com? Yes. Yes, I know all of that. Of course you do. Use promo code SHARYOULATER to save on your next order. You don't need to be obsessed with Iowa to shop there and enjoy their stuff. But it never hurts. 
That's raygunsight.com. Promo code share you later. Book the first. Actually, technically, there's like a preamble. When it's told orally, it's told as one seamless narrative when it was written down by Jimenez so that it could be studied and whatnot. They broke it up into a preamble and four books. Um, The preamble kind of talks about, hey, guys, this is what happened before Christians screwed us over and whatnot. Book the first is the creation. Basically, there's nothing. Typical creation story. And then the gods created all the world, all the living things, but the animals couldn't speak or praise their gods. Uh, So they're like, yo, this isn't fun if we don't have anyone to fawn all over us. So they created man out of mud. But it was like super fail because they didn't have a heart. And so they couldn't remember their (laughs) maker. They couldn't remember their makers. They couldn't like really comprehend what was going on. And so they're like, well, that's no fun. The whole point of us creating this man was so that they could fawn all over us. Yeah, And we could get some credit for this dope-ass world we just created. Yes. So they're like, we need a new material. We're going to Goldilocks this and see mud doesn't work. What's in the next bed? Well, in the next bed... There's no beds in this. That's just my analogy. Um, They tried again uh, making people out of wood, but that failed. It didn't work. They sent a big flood. And then it says, those not destroyed by the deluge are set upon by their dogs, by their cooking pots and tortilla grinders, by all of the things of the earth that they have misused and mistreated. Wow. Yeah, so basically the wood, wood humans were dicks and couldn't treat their things nicely. Shocker. I don't understand how the flood would really take care of them, though, other than, you know, some slow rot. I know. They're floating. Yeah, I'm like, they could float. Have you ever (laughs) seen Titanic? Oh, they're all just a bunch of doors. It's just doors. And it's because they were selfish. I could talk for hours about the door (laughs) thing. We're not going to open that. Close that door. Close it. (laughs) Sink it. Sink it. So anyways... Wood humans, not really working, not super good. Gods, in the end, are left alone to glorify themselves. And then it says this leads to the ascent of the deity Seven Macaw. Basically, as in, I think, as in the bird. Basically, he's a dick. And he thinks too highly of himself. And he's kind of destructive and not super great. That ends book the first. Book the second opens up with the hero twins what a name so their name are hunapu and ishblanke i didn't look that one up oh also my pronunciation thing that i had mentioned in the beginning there is a youtube video it was actually a film made i believe in the 70s but there you can find it on a youtube of an actual kiche person reading the popol vu that's awesome. Yes. And he starts by reading it in Kiche. And it's really fucking cool. And then he reads the rest in English. It's kind of like an art film. And so the woman who created the film used, it's almost like it's animated. Mm-hmm. And she used like actual pots and stuff. So it's animated really cool. It's clearly from the 70s. But they've got this kind of like ambient music in the background and It's really cool. And the guy reading it is phenomenal. So yeah, so I was reading uh, some of the 
name or listening to some of the names so I could get it right. And these ones I did not. The Hero Twins. The Hero Twins. As they will henceforth be known. So they're, they're, there's two celestial beings. They're twins and they want to destroy Seven Macaw. They're like, dude, we don't like you. You're being a dick. Sounds like us. Yeah. You're not better we, than me. Are we the Hero Twins? It's our new band name. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Actually, I think there is also a band called Popol Vuh because in my internet searching, I found a lot of information for a band. Oh, actually, I, I went on Spotify to see if it was on there. Maybe. I don't know. And there's a band on there. I don't know if there would be a podcast something. Anyway, there is now. So the Hero Twins. There's still no humans on the earth. And there's no one to challenge Seven Macaw. So basically, they kill him. There's like a series of tricks, clever ruses, like a lot of tests like you would mm-hmm. see in like Greek mythology and whatnot. Feats. Yes, feats. The Hero Twins kill him and his sons. They restore order and balance. Book the Third. Chronicles. Let's take another stab at this human thing. Exactly. This time, we'll, we've tried building it of mud. We tried building it of wood. We'll build it out of bricks. Can you guess what humans are eventually made out of? Oh, is it straw? Because that would be great. Because <laughs> then it's close. Like, just plants. We'll get Grass, corn. Give them the old reverse three little pigs. (laughs) So the third book chronicles the adventures of the father and the uncle of the hero twins who are also twins. Everyone's twins. Well, you Um, know. Their dads were twins and they were Ish Piakuk and Ish Mukane are like basically the great, great grandfathers of the hero twins. I think they're all called hero twins. And they were the first ones who tried to create humans. And they were tricked by the Lords of Death into accepting an invitation to a ball game. I feel like this is the bit of Mayan history that everyone kind of has a little bit of an idea about. Um, The game was in Chivalba, which is the underworld. Um, They are murdered. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if death is like, let's play (laughs) ball it's never a good thing you're gonna die yes so this is where a lot of the this this part gets fun so they're murdered and they put the heads on spikes and then the virgin princess ishkik also known as the blood moon goddess that's yes okay she wants to go see the head she's not supposed to see the head the head spits on her and she's pregnant it says it spits on her hand and she's impregnated. This would lead to so many <laughs> questions in sex ed. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, this... Or, like, this, just misconceptions of conception. Wait, Natalie, I went to Catholic school. This was my sex education. Oh, sweetie. Oh. <laughs> I'll draw you some pictures later. Okay, Yeah. So she's pregnant. She has to leave the underworld, go to the upper realm. Well, she, gets, she gets knocked. She gets kicked out of her house. Rude, rude death. And has to go live with her mother-in-law. Ugh. <laughs> and then she has tasks to prove herself. These are all just like very generalized breakdowns of the books, obviously. <laughs> she has twins. Go figure. Well, there's something in the water. 
and she distrusts them. And I don't know why she distrusts them. So Well, she never loved their father. Yeah, exactly. The mother-in-law, oh, sorry, the mother-in-law doesn't trust got it, got the it, kids. Got it. Yeah. She hides their ball gear. She doesn't want them to know what happened to their dad, that they died in this ball game to try to uh, save them. And she doesn't want them to avenge them and then die. Do you think they find the gear? I guarantee. No, you know what? I think they didn't find the gear. They developed a very healthy interest in the arts instead of sports. (laughs) And they really followed that passion and went on to- Hey, Natalie, I'm going to cut you off uh, just like arts programs. (laughs) Was that too real? Everything hurts. (laughs) Because yes, they did go play sports. Toxic environment. But they challenge the Lords of Death. And again, more adventures in the underworld. They trick them. They they defeat them. They destroy them. And then the hero They destroy the Lords of Death? They destroy the Lords of Death. Okay, so now I get to talk about my love of Chicago, right? I guess fair is fair. More specifically, I want to talk about my love of Chicago history and architecture, which I share with our sponsor, Cape Horn Illustration. You know their work isn't all Chicago-centric, right? Yeah, but the pieces I own are... Fair. Cape Horn Illustration is a Chicago-based art studio with a love of architecture in the city. Their work features classic home illustrations, badass ceramics, and so much more. They even take commissions. Check them out at capehorn-illustration.com. Use promo code SHAREDCAPE for 10% off. Okay. And then they ascend the world tree into the sky where they become the sun and the moon. Here we come to book four. The Goblet of Fire. The Goblet of Fire. So there's still no humans, right? Well, the first human beings are successfully created out of maize, out of corn. Oh, I did get there. Yeah, you did get there. And this is why they place such an importance on maize, on corn, on agriculture. And it's so prominent in all of their art and their history. But they only make four guys. And they have all the same traits and qualities as the gods. And they're like, well, there's only four of them and they can do all the things that we do. Well then, yeah. So they multiply them and they take away some of their sight. I'll say. Which I believe is, is metaphorical. They refer to them as works and designs. So it's very like So they did mastery. get into the arts. They did. The gods are like, we want to distinguish the fact that we made you. You are our design. And then they also, they're able to die. They're able to procreate. If there's a lot of them, then no single one of them can rise up. Mm -hmm. Because they're not going to get that organized. Four of them? Four of them? Maybe. Thousands? Nah. Nah. It's too much work. Then it says... The gods then provide the men with wives and, quote, right away they were happy at heart again because of their wives, which, I don't know, just made me chuckle. Well, happy wife, happy life. And then, and then it says they forget that they once knew everything and were like the gods. And then they start relying on their wives to actually know anything for them and remember important exactly. dates. Exactly, yes. Phone numbers, addresses, the names of people in their own family, you know. The names of their children, yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's my address? Just write it on their arm. <laughs> Just stick and poke it onto their arm. Please return to. Yeah. 
men and women are happy together. They have kids, they plant crops, they appreciate the gifts that the gods have given them. They glorify them. And then it talks about their migration to like the Yucatan, like where they now have founded, have lived, the Kicha people. And then it goes into a lot of genealogy and introduces the plumed servant known to the Maya as Kukulkan, to the Aztecs as Quetzalcoatl. Is that how you say that? Quetzalcoatl? I mean, I would totally know. Yeah. I feel like that's like the, the one kind of common yeah. deity that people know. And then it says, book four ends with the lines, this is enough about the being of Kiche, given that there is no longer a place to see it. There is the original book, an ancient writing owned by the lords, now lost, but even so, everything has been completed here concerning Kiche, which is now named Santa Cruz. So it's like up to the present day. I love that so much. Yeah. And I kind of stumbled upon this topic because I was just scrolling through Facebook and I saw an article on Rem Plaza about a like workshop in, I believe in Guatemala. No, it's in Mexico. And it's these, these Mayan women who are recreating Mayan works in the Mayan languages um, using ancient uh, like book binding and pressing techniques. You can commission works from them. You can order books from them. It's this tiny little shop uh, the person who wrote the article said she like looked down a street, looked like nothing was there. So I needed to walk down it. And then there's just this kind of beautiful little hole in the wall. And they're trying to document and disseminate endangered languages, cultures, oral history, um, using only recycled material. You can check them out. I believe they're on Instagram and stuff. Their website is tirelinear.com taros at gmail.com we'll write it down you can email them if you want stuff from them their website's a little small limited it's a very small mm-hmm. operation but it was created by ambar past who was a a poet i believe she's a mexican poet and she was like i want to save these works and keep them alive and yeah, distribute I do the them. opposite of what most megalomaniacal men in power did back in the day yes exactly you know, you know how you used, used to burn shit constantly we're gonna do the opposite of that yeah so that was that was so cool and we'll put links to the the actual video and whatnot it's an hour long but i kind of want to just sit down and watch the movie it's like an actual film yeah that's it sounds like it's really cool like beautiful too just even from the way that you described it podcasting is a visual medium (laughs) yes i think you can find copies of it on amazon i i was reading some of the comments on the video and reading some of the reviews and stuff and some people are like this is the scariest story i've ever heard like it's very like eerie and there's a lot of like these scare it's like it's almost like a book of scary stories because it's so like it's in the underworld and they have all these like deadly tasks and it just sounds like a really fucking good story you're like terrifying sign me up so yeah that's a purple boo i love that well i'm gonna do you did something i love and that you love so mythology and literature Mm. i'm gonna gonna do american history again (laughs) (laughs) I think that there's so many interesting things in U.S. history that we didn't study. And that's why I keep 
finding those things. I'm sure that there's, I, I, I'm not sure, I know that there's tons of other history, world history that I don't know that we didn't study, but like, I guess I am immediately angrier at some of the things in US history that were a footnote. And so that's... Here's my thing about you and I doing American history. It is stretching ourselves because you and I don't yes. like American history or we don't like the American history we were taught or just don't really care about it. And here's our chance to rewrite American history, to be like, hey, y'all, let's talk about this instead. So I'm pro us doing American history stories. You have okay. my stamp of approval. Thank you. As opposed to my own personal shame. Uh, <laughs> I will take your approval over my shame. And this is, sometimes I do American history stories that I'm like, this is something that I think is neat in the grand scheme of history, maybe not super important. And then sometimes I'm like, why didn't we learn this? And so this is, this is somebody who I think comes up a lot during Black History Month when people will post about them and be like, you should know about this person. So you might know them, but here we go. Lock and load into the 1860s. William Cathay was an African-American soldier who enlisted in the U.S. Army in 1866. Do you know who this person is? I feel like this sounds familiar. Don't but... do a Google. Don't do Okay, a... I'm literally doing a Google because I don't... feel like as soon as I saw a picture, I might know. No, I don't know. Tell me about William Cathay. Okay. They were born to a free man and enslaved woman, making their legal status also that of a slave. And so they were also enslaved and worked on a plantation on the outskirts of Jefferson City, Missouri. It's nice when I can pronounce everything in a story because <laughs> it's from the Midwest. <laughs> so all I know is I'm like, fine, just throw a harsh A on it and you'll get it. Is this just like an all Midwestern episode? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so when Union forces occupied Southern areas and they came in and like liberated those areas, captured slaves were officially designated as contraband. So instead of just being like, you're free, go. Uh, they were forced to serve in the military in support roles generally, like cooks, nurses, etc. So William Cathay's first military involvement was under the service of General Philip Sheridan as an army cook and washer and launderer in the in the Shenandoah Valley campaign. There are some other reports that say that like they served in the, they like actually served in the Civil War, but there's no actual evidence of that other than the fact that like another soldier with the same surname enlisted and like that, un their unit's history kind of mapped the same mm -hmm. places and had a lot of parallels to William Cathay's and also enlisted in Missouri. But most folks are like, some folks are like same person, different name. And then most folks are like, there's actually no evidence that yeah. this is thing but i thought that was interesting william cathay at least under that name was not officially enlisted until 1866 they again enlisted in missouri they were assigned to the 38th united states infantry which was an all-black regiment that would eventually become part of the legendary buffalo soldiers Ooh, legendary with whom william cathay served in new mexico and kansas until after smallpox and lots of frequent hospitalization. And also it seems like they never, they never served in a combat role, yeah. but would do regular kind of garrison duty at forts and whatnot. And they contracted smallpox and were frequently hospitalized, Ugh. I think kind of before then also, but especially after that. And then also like 
they're in the New Mexico heat. Ugh. So, and there's lots of marching. The Buffalo soldiers did a lot of marching. Well, there's a lot of marching in general in the Civil War. <laughs> Oops. Uh, in the 1860s. Um, so it wasn't until this hospitalization that a post-surgeon finally discovered William Cathay's best kept secret. Hey Nat, what you been up to during the pandemic? Oh God, eating mostly. Oh, like cooking and eating homemade meals and stuff? <laughs> no, like ordering delicious sweet treats and cakes from ECBG Cake Studio. They make specialty cakes for all occasions. They make wedding cakes, they do custom cookies, they have all sorts of sweet treats you can order and pick up. Don't they also do online baking classes? They do. So I guess I could get more hands-on with my baked good habit. While Natalie stops salivating, you should go visit at ECBG underscore studio on Instagram and their website, ecbgstudio.com. They were a woman. <gasps> That's why I was like, don't Google it. Don't Google it. I had this, I had this reveal all teed up. Wait, how long did they keep, did, did she, was she a she or did she identify as a man? She identified as a woman. She just enlisted as a male. <gasps> how long did she keep it a secret? So she had been, she was conscripted for three years. She served two of those three years before being found out and honorably discharged by her commanding officer. William Cathay's actual name was Cathay Williams. And she enlisted under a false name, passed herself off as a man, and yeah, made it two years before anyone, anyone found out. I feel like I, I have heard of this before. Yeah. You, you probably have. Well, and it's one of those where it's like, oh, it's just like, yeah, an interesting thing people throw on Facebook and Black History Month. Yeah. And don't really know about. And there's not, like, there's, there, as I dug in, I kept, like, expecting to find more and more and more, and I kept finding the same amount of information but it's just really interesting that she wasn't found out for two years partially because it was like a cursory medical exam when she enlisted it wasn't like in depth so it wasn't until she kept being hospitalized that in an examination the doctor was like wait a second hold on now hang on so and she was honorably discharged it doesn't say anything on her discharge papers that she's discharged for being a woman Mm -hmm. she's discharged it's a disability discharge and the papers um say something about being a woman is a disability yes no uh (laughs) no it says uh the dis the disability discharge mostly cites frequent hospitalization or like ailment due to she had ding dang smallpox yeah, yeah due to like causes that predate their enlistment so they it did take care to word it as a disability discharge but not that you were made disabled in the line of duty if you yeah. will which becomes relevant later when she later in life when she tries to file for a disability pension what the reason that you see posts about her a lot during black history month and another times during the year that she'll pop up on social media and whatnot is because she was the first black woman to enlist in the military. And though over 400 women served in the civil war posing as men, that's a stat that I found that I what? give me more information on that, please. Williams was the only documented woman to serve in the United States army while disguised as a man during the Indian wars. So apparently during the Civil War, over 400 women of any race 
served, posed as men and served. Uh, but in the in the Indian Wars, she's the only documented woman to serve in the army, and she was the first black woman to enlist in the military, as far as history knows. Overall, she also served with people who knew she was a woman. So she was she enlisted with a cousin and a close friend who were both members of the regiment and who knew. There's a quote. It says. Uh, only two persons, a cousin and a particular friend, members of the regiment, knew that I was a woman. They never, quote, blowed on me. They were partly the cause of my joining the army. Another reason was I wanted to make my own living and not be dependent on relations of friends, end quote. First of all, she has diaries? Yeah. Primary sources? There's got to be primary sources out there. Either that or this could be, this This actually might be from a... Um, an interview she did later in life, this quote. But they've got like documented mm-hmm. evidence of her. <gasps> yeah. That's so, so cool. So during- also like I had a second thing and can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> also good for her friends and her cousin for not being like, hey, get out of here. Yeah. They were, I, they were like, yeah, whatever. I was wondering how, like, I was going to ask why, why did she decide to do this? Why did so, all these women decide to do this? And assume there would be no answer, but there's a fucking primary source. Yeah, she wanted she wanted the independence that she that she gained when when she was kind of forced to serve the military in a cook and and laundress capacity. That she was able, like they got paid, and she yeah. was able to like have money and have a job as a woman and as opposed to before when she was enslaved. And so she's like this, I want that. I don't want to ever have to be dependent on my family. And it just seems like that's the course that women end up having to take is that they don't, they are not allowed to have their own money. They're not allowed to have a job. Yeah. She was also, also, Oh, I was just going to say, she was also five foot nine. So she was one of the tallest privates in her company. Wait, and also the only nine? one that was a secret woman. Yeah, apparently her company, like her, like was not that tall. She was, she was one of the tallest privates. Maybe all the privates were were small. There was a height requirement. Yeah, you must be at least this tall to out to raise rise in rank. That's the phrase <laughs> I was looking for. Words are hard, but yeah. So I I just thought that. I thought that she was thin, like a pretty cool badass. Uh, after her military service, she continued to work for the government. She worked for the National Park Service. When she was... I love anyone who works for the National right? Park Service. It just warms my heart. I feel like there's there's a goddamn hero right there. Did you know Harrison Ford is a park ranger? What? I heard that and it might be false, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was either a honorary or I would not be surprised if he just moonlights as a, you know, it's like, I just need to get away. What if I need to get away? I want to go range a park. What if it was honorary and he just did like the little kid junior park ranger thing that you can do at parks that like all of my grown ass adult friends do and they get the little like sticker badge. I hope that it's that. But it's like, it's, that's along the lines of what she was doing in her service as a Buffalo soldier. Cause she was helping, she was helping protect minors and traveling immigrants from the Apaches, but she was mostly like, they're mostly moving around all this open space. She was, I don't know. I'm making shit up. She was familiar with being out in the terrain. 
She worked in the National Park Service at Fort Union, New Mexico um, as a cook and then in Colorado as a seamstress. She had a shitty marriage that ended when her husband stole her money and a team of horses uh, and she had him arrested because fuck yeah. that guy. You don't steal from me. Nuh-uh. Listen, bitch, do you know who I am? I enlisted in the military as a man and got away with it because I was tall. <laughs> because I was tall and the, and the male, the men who enlisted me were dumb. Uh, and were, didn't, didn't do their job to the fullest of, and actually do a medical examination. In 1891, after being hospitalized for a bit for a whole a whole slew of things, she had multiple toe amputations from diabetes. Oof. She suffered from neuralgia, which I, is just nerve damage that a lot mm. of vets, they just kind of lump under neuralgia. Um, deafness, rheumatism. She applied for a disability pension, like I mentioned before, based on her military service. And she was told she didn't qualify because her discharge certificate, like I said, indicated her, quote, feeble condition predated enlistment. It doesn't specify that her feeble condition is being female, but she was hospitalized a lot when she, yeah. was, when she was conscripted in the military. But yeah, the, the quote that I pulled, I assume is from this story that was run in the St. Louis Daily Times in January of 1876, because basically a writer or journalist heard through the grapevine that there was this Black woman who served in the uh, Indian Wars and who just like nobody knew about and that yeah. she's like served in secret. And he was like, I'm sorry, what now? And then <laughs> tracked, her, tracked her down and asked if he could write her, write about her military service. So I'm assuming that quote comes from that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, women... If you were wondering, women were not formally allowed to enlist as full permanent members of the U.S. military until the Women's Armed Services Integration Act. Want to take a guess when that was? 70s? It's a little bit better than that. 1948. Okay. Oh, the war. Yeah. The, the big one. Yeah. Post The big post, sequel. Post the big sequel. <laughs> they were like, maybe we should have some... That's a lot of the population that could could help and was willing to and we told them they couldn't for, for arbitrary no, reasons yeah, for really no reasons at all but yeah there's she's she's got some some like monuments and benches and busts she has a there's a bronze bust of her that was unveiled in 2016 outside the richard allen cultural center in leavenworth kansas so and she is, she's got a bench on, uh, at the National Infantry Museum. So her, her service record is recognized just yeah. like by the U.S. Army. Yeah. One of my sources was, is from the Wounded Warrior Project. So it's like. Oh, nice. I just think, yeah, I feel like I've heard of random little stories of women enlisting in the Civil War and the Revolutionary War. And first of all, that's badass. And second of all, yeah, like. In the Reconstruction era, post post Civil War, like yeah, you're you're free, but but I feel like that was so conditional. Yeah. And then on top of it, to be a to be a woman as well, so it's like you're yeah, like you're you're still not really free as a black person in America today. But yeah. but also then it's like everything was so conditional. And then on top of it, to also be a black woman. And so there's all a whole other le- like list 
of limitations placed on what you can do from then. And one of them mainly being that like people, women didn't work in this capacity. Like, yeah, you would be a, a domestic or, you know, yeah, laundress or mm -hmm. something like that. And probably paid not as well. And probably not actually able to like keep your money because oh. I, what's that? When there's that stat, there's a, when women weren't allowed to have like bank accounts for the longest time. So it's like, Oh, that's right. Yeah. But, but yeah. So that's, that's, she is sometimes listed in history as William Cathay as her pseudonym, but it's Cathay Williams. The, um, Cathay. the soldier that they're like, was this her in, the Civil War, whose name was Finnis Cathay, F-I-N-I-S. Finnis, I like that. But, yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't feel like Cathay to me. No. My, my senses are telling me that that's not her. I also just love the move of just like flipping your names. Yeah. Or just being like, my name is Cathay Williams. Great, William Cathay. Nice to meet you. I'm five foot nine and I will be a Buffalo soldier. Thank you very much. I could be Maher Cassidy. Maher is a very common last name. Right? In India. You can do it. I could do it. I think I failed to mention it. She was also the only known female Buffalo soldier. I think I glossed over that, that factoid. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. How long were the Buff Buffalo soldiers active? I don't know. Let me Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Shared history in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, the regiment served from 1866 until the army was desegregated in 1951. So the Wait. regiments, so the reg, so its specific regiments were known as and were the Buffalo Soldiers because the what the Buffalo Soldiers are known for is working on the Western frontier mm -hmm. and like protecting. Yeah. That's a long time. Protecting folks from the, you know, the folks who had lived there before them. <laughs> um, oh, here's a fun quote about why they worked on the Western frontier. I'm on smithsonianmagazine.com. Uh, African-Americans could only serve west of the Mississippi River because many whites didn't want to see armed black soldiers in or near their communities. What? Yeah. So they built roads. They acted as park rangers. They fought in battles to defend westward expansion um but they were yeah that's wow. fucked up that's fucked up so we need a whole episode on how black americans settled the west yeah or protected the yeah they're building roads mm -hmm. they're arranging parks they're protecting settlers come on y'all yeah that frustrates me so much we should do, we should, at some point we'll do an episode just like probably on the Buffalo Soldiers. I think they're cool. And I'm surprised we haven't done one yet. Yeah. It's cover, it's because it comes up in history class, but like not as much as you want. But by that regard of saying like, oh, white people didn't want armed black men anywhere near them, then it makes sense that these segregated troops, uh, regiments remained until the 1950s. Yeah. That also is crazy to me. So technically, I don't know if that means, like, obviously they weren't, like, protecting westward expansion in the 1950s. Right. The westward had already expanded at that point. <laughs> but that technically the regiments that made up the Buffalo Soldiers, all black regiments that made up the Buffalo Soldiers, remained in 
practice until uh, until yeah. the military was desegregated, which of course, as with most things, happened later than you thought it would have. But also, yeah. like the 1950s makes sense for that. Yeah. Like I don't agree with it, but it makes sense. It it does it, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. It tracks. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, we did a little. We got a little little Mayan mythos. We got a little buffalo soldiering. We got a little buffalo soldiering. I what a delightful romp through history we have shared. Yeah. On, on this fine evening or whatever time of day you're listening to it, friends. <laughs> If you want, you know the you know where to find more episodes. You can always find them at arcadeaudio.net. That is where we live, or we live wherever you want to find pod. I don't need to tell you, you're listening to it right now. You know where to find a podcast. Um, please hit subscribe. Two things help people find us. One, you hitting subscribe. Apparently, I read a thing that now subscription numbers are how the algorithms are ranking things or prioritizing things, but also ratings and reviews. It does carry more weight if there is a review attached to it. Please leave us a rating or review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. If you want to, when you do, you can send us a screen cap of it, uh, DM it to us on the social meds, and maybe we'll, we'll ask you for your address. And if you're comfortable giving that to us, we'll send you a thank you note and a little treat. Yeah, our our voices live on um, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to your podcast. But our beautiful faces and our uh, pictures from our show and all of our graphics live on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram at at Shared Pod. And you can get. We'll be posting pictures of Cathay Williams. We'll of, be posting a clip for at least a clip for sure of. The I can't pronounce it. The Popovu. Popovu. It's so cool and like eerie, and I'm so excited for y'all to hear it. Uh, I can't wait to just share like the most unsettling clip from it, like I did with the Max Headroom video. <laughs> just like here's Ooh. something to haunt your dreams. Listen to <laughs> history. History. It haunts your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're saving that. We're saving that. I'm doing that for one of the other ones. All right. And in the meantime, yeah, just rate, review, find us on the social medias. You know, the world is your oyster. Go out there and shuck it. Eat it. it. (laughs) Shuck it was so much better. Well, it's like one and then the other. Yeah. Uh, And until then, share share you later. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.